We're going to be touching on and working through the third one of the series of nine fruits of the Spirit. And the third one is peace. It's peace. So, start out with turning your hymnal, or you know, turn in your hymnal. I'm stuck in around here. Turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. So now, according to Webster's 1828 dictionary, and I, I, after I start saying this enough, I'm just going to say Webster's dictionary, but everything in this is based on the, uh, 1828. And after comparing some dictionaries on some things, the 1828 is a lot more accurate in a lot of ways and, and actually fills in a lot more information. Fills in a lot of gaps and, and things like that. It says, uh, peace is in general a sense of state of quiet or tranquility, freedom from disturbance or agitation, uh, applicable to, uh, to society, to individuals, or the temper of the mind. Temper of the mind. And, a lot of times these are just big thoughts, but they're just bringing down like the temporary mind is, is with us, with the individual and what our temperament is on certain things and, and certain issues that come up in our lives. So that's the temperament of peace in us that we'll be talking about. Uh, Webster's Dictionary further says the threefold application, there's a threefold application of the word peace. We will first discuss peace as it relates to nations, then as it relates to individuals among themselves. And the third aspect of the most important that pertains to uh, to us in our discussion is the fruit of the Spirit will be the peace between man and God himself. That inner peace that we have, that knowing that all this stuff is going nuts all around us, but yet there's peace and we can have peace because we know that God is still in control. God is still in control of the situation and his hand is there and his hand is still on us. And he still wants us to be a voice to help others who are without Christ understand they could have this peace too through this, through his son, Jesus Christ. This is the peace that produces the fruit of the Spirit in Christian's life, the practical peace that only a born-again child of God can experience. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So we see in this thing, there's a freedom from war. There's a freedom uh, uh, of uh, disturbance in that uh, temperament of nine. They will be addressing all those. And the first one is the freedom of war. Freedom from internal commotion or civil war. Although it is a rare, it is rare in our day. We counted a nation blessed when it is free from overt war and civil dis, uh, disturbance. Now, what can we say? Now, this was written some time ago. What are we saying about what we see now about civil disruption 
in disobedience, in disturbance, in groups within America that are trying to take control of this nation. Now, some are through politics, others are through anarchy, we're seeing. The horrors of war are something that most American people in the history of our nation have not had to experience on their own home soil. If you think about it, we've never had an invading country come in. We've had a civil war, of course. But the Bible, in the history outside of the Bible, show clearly that men have been at war with the uh been at war with men since the day that Cain slew Abel. As long as Satan is in control of the governments of this world in this present age that we live in, wars will continue with regular occurrence on our planet. And he's right about that. So we've talked about and heard about in our lives, past wars, if you went through anything in high school and you learned in your history, you know about different wars that different countries had all through the ages. So the Bible shows that there's always a grim fact of life that there's going to be war. There are present wars. Turn to Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. A casual observance of world events in our present day, shows the miserable failure of the United Nations to end war in spite of the fact that in Isaiah 2-4, it is quoted as part of the uh, part on the wall of the United Nations building in New York. So Isaiah 2-4 says, And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up, really, sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Okay, I I don't know how long it's been since the United Nation was formed, but it goes back quite a ways. Was it before World War II, or was it after World War II? I don't know, but it hasn't helped. It's still going on. And then, of course, as you get a group of nations together and things like that, there's controlling factions in that that want dominance in the world. So some of it is meant to be peaceful. Others are not. So we know in present wars we have problems all the time. There's also future wars. Turn to Matthew chapter 24, verse 6. Matthew 24, verse 6, and we'll go to verse 8. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, pestilences, 
in earthquakes, in diverse places, all these are the beginning of sorrows. They are the beginning of sorrows. So we haven't seen all these wars yet. There's still some coming. We don't know what we'll be in. You know, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but if you're a Christian, we don't have to fear that. We don't have to fear that because what would happen if somebody dropped a bomb in America? There'd be a lot of Christians going to heaven. Unfortunately, there'd be a lot of other people that are going to hell. And something to think about, especially what our role is as far as a Christian in this world. In reading of Matthew 24, 6 or 8 shows that war will be on the increase until the Prince of Peace comes back to rule with a rod of iron and bring judgment and justice to this world. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government in peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The real, the, the zeal of the, uh, the Lord of hosts will perform this. And then Revelation, if you turn there, uh, chapter two, Revelations two. reads this, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. Broken to shivers. Now we know what a shiver is in this modern day language. You got a cold, you got a fever, you're shivering. Okay. But shiver just means to be broken up. Well, that you take that potter's vessel that probably didn't turn out well, didn't fire well. And what's he going to do? He's going to break it up, grind and grind it up, return it basically to the ground. So it's broken up in shards, as we would call them now. So those little splinters and shards, because it goes from little small pieces to some larger pieces that he busts up. So he doesn't want it to be used. He doesn't want it to fail. So he gets rid of it. And James chapter 4, verse 1, shows that the true source of war is not an unjust economic system poverty, or anything else, but the depravity of the human heart. In James chapter 4, verse 1 says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? So we have things that happen in our, in, 
the hearts of man that cause these problems. So it comes because we're warring inside, not necessarily as individuals, Christian, but in world general. But yet, this is still in us as a Christian to think, okay, there are going to be wars. We are going to be in a war after we leave this present world. And when Christ comes back to take his throne, what does it say in Revelation? We're going to ride down behind him in white horses. You know, and we're all going to be in... Now, this is the thing. You know, is, you know, I'm dressed in a nice suit. You're dressed all nicely. And everybody has, okay, the things that they desire as far as clothing. You know, the colors and the type and things like that. But you know what? In heaven, there's not that. There's pure white robes of righteousness that we're clothed with in heaven. And the the God of this world knows that. And the people will know that of this world who are not saved when they come down in our uniform riding on horses. But you know what? There's not a sword among us when we ride down. There's only one sword. It comes out of Christ's mouth to devour the nations and set up his kingdom. And that's what he'll rule with. So it's going to be a tough time for the lost. And that's why we got to take prisoners whenever we can, get them out of that system and get them to see that they need Jesus Christ as their Savior. So that's just the wars part of it. Now, there's also the freedom of, of private quarrels, suits, or disturbance. Because of what uh, James 4 1 tells us, the source of war itself is, we should not be surprised that the people of the same race, color, national origin, oftentimes do not get along with one another. One, uh, on, on a one-on-one basis, uh, some scripture verses give us advice along these lines. So I'm stumbling here a little bit because I'm dealing with this mouth again. So there's private quarrels. Turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 18. It's the principle of limited capacity here. Limited capacity. And he's telling us that we have a limited capacity because we still have this human mind. that We are a new creature and we have a source for things in the Word of God. But we still have that human mind that gets us in trouble sometimes. And we'll quarrel with people, with our family, with our neighbors. Uh, with the policeman, <laughs> something like that, you know. But those are there. And then we got to understand, too, that uh, we do have a limitation here because we don't know all the answers, and we don't have the mind of Christ yet, and we will have that mind of Christ. So in Romans, if it be possible, this is verse 18 of 12, 
as much that lieth within you. See, you hear the qualifications? The two. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And we got to try that. We have to try that. Because how would you ever try to get a witness to somebody that you're arguing with? So, turn to uh, Proverbs chapter 13, and then Psalms 10. So, a two-handed one here. Proverbs chapter 13, and Romans 10. Proverbs chapter 13, 10 says uh, and shows the reason for much of the connection, uh, uh, the contention and strife between individuals. It says in Proverbs chapter 13, 10, only by pride cometh contention. But the, but with the well advised is wisdom. How do we get well advised in anything like this? Is there a book written that helps us at all? Yeah, there is, isn't there? And it's, and then you go, oh, when you read some of it, I gotta fix something, <laughs> you know. Psalms chapter 10, verse 4. The wicked through the pride of his own countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Have you been there? We've all been there. God is not in all our thoughts. You know, and it, and it just takes just that discipline to stay in the Word of God. So that the Word of God just kind of takes over our thoughts and helps us through. In Proverbs chapter 25, 17, uh, there's an age-old principle of familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. And Isaiah 5, 8, is another one you want to turn to, illustrates the curse of the urban living in this respect. Proverbs 25, 17 says, Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee, and so hate thee. Um, I haven't had it happen to me, but I know people have had it happen where that neighbor's there in your business because he's just real super friendly and he just wants to see how you're doing and wants you see what... You, you know, he's, sometimes they're trying to learn something from you and things like that. But after a while, you just say, you know what? You need to go home now. Okay. They're trying to get some, you know, information on somebody. They're, you know, in the, in the, in the Bible, they're called busybodies, basically. Uh, without another word for it, it's all they're doing is just trying to get information and see what you're doing, you know, and things like that. Not necessarily harmful, but after a while, they're annoying. So, Isaiah chapter 5 verse 8 says, Woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field, till there is no place, that they may be 
placed alone in the midst of the earth. Got a house there, got a house there, got a house there, got a house here, here's here, there's a house here. I don't know who lives in that house right next to us, but they're pretty good. They're good people. You got this house and this house and this house, and, and then you got a community, you got a city, you got a town, you got a county, you got a state. You know, we're kind of out in the country where we are, but there's still six houses in our little group. But there's enough spacing that where if you sneeze, somebody else doesn't say Gesundheit to you, you know. So after a while, what's going on with so many people in one area, especially in big cities, Portland, for example? What is going there? There's shootings all the time. I mean, there's shootings in Seattle. We get Seattle news. There's shootings all the time. People are dying. I mean, these are young people that are dying. In their early teens, one guy, one young man was like 14 up in Seattle. But what it is, is that gang mentality because they're all grouped together. So they're, they're trying to control their area. This one's trying to control their area. So there's this constant influx all the time of this is my turf. No, this is my turf, you know, or hey, my turf's on the road, and then somebody rolls down a window, starts shooting at the other car. It happened in almost a month ago in Seattle. So we're all bunched together. That's why when settlers came and went across country, they gave themselves plenty of land so they could get along with their neighbors. You know, so you couldn't shout to them. You had to get on your horse and go see them if you needed something or wanted to visit. So, but that gave people some tranquility, peace, peace. So all those houses on one another. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 13. This verse shows believers in the local church are admonished to be at peace with each other. This is realized when Christians who are spiritually minded allow their common bond in Jesus Christ to override their differences and preferences in some earthly matters of no importance. I don't like the curtains in this place. Wait a minute. What happened to the curtains in this place? You know, and things like this. I don't like the color of this carpet. Yeah. I don't like the many colors of this carpet. <laughs> because there's all kinds of different colors in it. You know, they just get old, you know. And there's churches that have practically Donnybrooks about it, you know, because they want their thing done. You know, their deacon, you know, you know, deacon run churches are abomination, you know. You know what a deacon is in the Bible? He's a servant to the church, to the individual church. He's a servant. And the pastor is the leader. And then just got to find it in the Word of God. So, Christians need to get along with Christians. And First Thessalonians 5.13, to esteem 
them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Be at peace. Work together. See, this is not an individual thought, this church of one pastor. It's been an individual thought of several pastors in bringing their leadership into this time, just as our pastor has brought his leadership in this time. So we see that we got freedom from quarrels. And the last one we see is uh, in Webster's Dictionary is the piece of uh, freedom from agitation or disturbance by passions as from fear, terror, anger, anxiety, or the like, quietness of mind, tranquility, calmness, with uh, quiet of conscience. This third aspect of the definition of peace is the most important of the three, and it relates to the the study of the peace in the uh, fruit of spirit. So we have the t- first two with war, wars and, and quarrels, but yet the, the one that, that brings us closest to God is that peace we can have in Him and what He's done for us. Turn to Romans chapter 5, 1. Romans 5, 1. Romans 5.1 reads, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Now, that's written as a fact. But it's also something that we have to acknowledge. We have peace with God if we trust God. I mean, before salvation and after salvation. Because I've lived long enough sometimes that I go, what is going on here? And God said, hey, uh, I'm knocking on your door. I want to come in and sup with you. It's not that you find that in the Word of God, but the thing is, He wants to be close to us as Christians and show us and what how you knock and open the door. Open this. Open that. Open the Word of God. So, it gives us a key. Before anyone can have peace with themselves, they must first have peace with God. There must be reconciliation between the creature and the Creator. Remember, we're not a creation. We're a new creature. And that's important when you realize that we are supposed to be different, we're supposed to act different, we're not supposed to look like the world, we're not supposed to act like the world, talk like the world, be in the world's conversations and enjoy the wickedness that can be in some of them. Our point on this earth is to be an example and make sure that people can see a peace in us when things go wrong. When they're talking about, oh, you see all this stuff, and, and, and you can be at peace with that and say, 
Yeah, I understand that. And the Bible says that this stuff is going to happen. Try to open up a door to the people you work with so that you can have communication with them. So, there's another aspect of it. Once a sinner has been reconciled to God, he may have real and lasting inner peace. Peace with God produces the peace of God. In many ways, the peace of God in the Christian life is the total opposite of the sin of worry. You know, hey, we all worry. I worry if I got COVID. You know, it's not a strong worry, but there is that thing, you know, that we worry about. You know, the way this world is going, we don't know what's going on. I, you know, when, when my front light on my garage go, it goes off in the middle of the night, I can see it barely through the closed windows and the shades and everything. I get up and look. I'm concerned. I'm worried a little bit. But I know I'm protected by God, too. But, you know, I know people, they, they take this uh, absence of worry so strongly they don't even lock their house. You know, I don't know if I want to go that far with it. You know, for one thing, if you got guns in the house, you don't want somebody else taking them and using them on somebody were to commit something and then have it traced back to you. So you got to be careful, lock your guns up or hide them so nobody can find them, things like that. Um, you may keep money in your house or jewels, jewelry and stuff like that, stuff that was handed down to your from your, your well, God forbid, your, your mother and father have deceased, you know. And uh, we got some of that. It doesn't, it's not worth a lot, but you know, later on, they're going to come in and look for it and find it because we're going to be gone. We're going to be gone. They're going to say, what happened to this empty house? And they're going to see, uh, when the rapture happens, this is kind of offshoot. What are people going to find left behind? Okay, everything as far as material things. But, what evidence is left behind of us? Say we were in our house when we get raptured out of here. What's going to be left behind? Clothes. And there's one more important thing that's going to be left behind too. Well, Bible. But there's still a physical aspect of us that's going to be left behind. Resulting that there was proof there was a living being there. Our blood. Because our blood's not going to come with us. That mortal body is going to be changed to immortal. That new creature will be finished. And we have no need for blood. If you studied the thing in the Word of God about blood, there's going to be a pile of clothes and there's going to be blood. Because Jesus Christ, when he came back and, and, and showed himself to the disciples, did he have blood? No, he did not. 
we'll have no blood. We won't have any need of it. If you study the thing, you see why. You know, so I'll, I, you know, check it out. It's a marvelous study to see what's going on. And what a shock to the world when that happens. And that's not going to be in houses. That's going to be in cars also. It's going to be out on the street. It's going to be in an airplane, you know, and it may include a pilot, you know. But it's going to be different. It's going to shock the world. And then you want to talk about worry? There's where that worry starts. Really, a lot of worry. Sorry for that sideline, but a lot of people don't think of it that way. But ever since I was saved, Linda and I, we were taught that. And it, and it makes sense when you read the Word of God. So, we'll have peace. Uh, turn to John chapter 14, verse 27. John chapter 14, 27. The Lord Jesus Christ indicates that his peace is not a fleeting peace found as in the world. It's going to be a forever peace. John chapter 14, verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He's telling us, don't worry about it. If you're in me, you're taken care of. So when we pass from this life through death before his return, I guess we don't have to worry about it. Because it's already taken care of. Our passage is paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. Turn to John chapter 16, verse 33. In John 16.33, the Lord Jesus Christ reinforces the fact that the world is a place of trouble, but that the believer can be an overcomer for Jesus Christ who himself has overcome the world. Never let us forget that God is still on the throne. John 16.33, these things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We look to him because he's overcome. He's our example. We will overcome it too here and we'll be done with it when we're not here and waiting to return again with his kingdom in Jesus Christ, the ruler of this world, someday, you know, and could be tomorrow. The rapture takes us out of here. we got seven years to be with him, be espoused to him. And every one of us is a, of a female gender, in a sense, in that our soul is female. And we'll be joined to Jesus Christ as a male. Kind of weird, huh? Have you ever heard that one before? Yeah, but 
Yeah. How how can we? The, the picture is marriage, and, G, and Jesus Christ talked about marriage all the way back when he started with uh, the marriage at Canaan. And it shows that we're going to be, we are espoused to him. Okay. What does espoused mean? Yeah, we're going to be married to. So what that, what does that make us then? If we're going to be married? Engaged. We're engaged. Of course, we ought to be just as much engaged in this. Learning about our spouse. Learning about what God has for us. And waiting for some of the things we don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be marvelous when we see a new heaven and a new earth. So, he's still in the throne. He's wanting us to follow him. And don't worry about it. Give us peace. We have the answers here that we need at this time. We have the instruction manual that we need to bring others to him. Turn to Philippians chapter 4 and then 1 Peter 5. Philippians chapter 4, 1 Peter 5. In Philippians 4, it says, be careful for nothing. That doesn't mean to be careless. What it means is, don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. Have peace. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The Christian is instructed to give all troubles and cares to the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that he has such a great love and care for us. If we believe the promises of the Word of God, we can have peace of God the peace of God which passes all understanding. And in First Peter 5, verse 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. He cares for us. Even when we think, where is God in this? He's working and he cares for us. Why did this happen to me? He cares for us and he loves us. And he's watching over us. Sometimes things don't work out for us. The whole thing that I, myself and Linda came out here for us to do is be here and start a choir in a church and to bring people to understand what a choir is and, and, and have all the aspects of learning what good music is and to present those choirs to be in churches, also to go out into the community, like a, to a mall, and sing in a mall during Christmas or something like that, to sing Christmas carols and sing other music that honors Christ. 
because it's the words that will bring an understanding and it's words of peace and also encouragement to find out what the Word of God says about their lives too for the lost and encourage other Christians that are out there as well, not just our little nucleus to help other Christians grow. So it never took place. And God has never told us in 16 years, it's time to go back. He hasn't. I think in a while I'll have to go back only because the age thing. But yet, I want to be close to my family when it's age is rough on us and things like that. And, uh, but I have family that are back there scattered throughout too. So this world is not my home, but I see that home. And I experience that home through others like you and see the faith that you have. And it encourages me to have peace about what's going on here because we have a church, we have a good pastor who loves us and keeps us safe in the Word of God and helps us learn it and help us also to support Him in every way we can, especially in prayer for what He's going through now. It should be number one in our prayer life on that list right now for our pastor. So be in prayer for them. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for what you've done, Lord, for us on the cross. The fact that you went through the times and the troubles in the pain and the anguish you went through and even went to hell for us and paid the price in hell for us and rose victorious over sin and death. And the fact that we can rely on the Word of God to show us what path we need to take and how you've led Linda and I to different churches and helped those churches, I trust. And you've led us here and and, uh, and showed us, even despite the fact it's a long trip down here, that uh, we know we're supposed to be here right now. And I pray, Lord, you be with these people here and help them to realize that any time they're not here, whether they're sick or something's come up or they're just on vacation, that they're always missed. When our pastor wasn't here, he was missed very badly. And I pray, Lord, that you'd heal him, Lord. Heal him up. Give the doctors wisdom to put him back together as good as new. And... uh as good as this creature can be at this time with this human body that we have. And I pray, Lord, that you would just be with our people here, Lord, for any that are out sick. Watch over them. Keep them well. And keep them healed up. And I pray, Lord, help us to be a witness out there. Don't be afraid to hand out a tract. Don't be afraid to speak up. Just get up and, and let your voice be known that you are a Christian and that you have the answers in hand by the Word of God for their life, for their soul, for their eternal life, for the, the payment 
of their sin. And all they have to do is trust in you. Thank you for all that you've done this day, Lord, and continue to bless through these services after we return here. And uh, bless Pastor as he preaches. In Jesus' name, amen.